Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center Podcast Feed is the Clone Wars Report. 
I was really looking forward to seeing what kind of mouth music you would make today because these episodes uh, demand a lot of different kinds of music. <laughs> yes, I, I, yeah, I just went with uh, Baker Street, but really uh, I, I was going to try to do my best Cy Snoodles dance routine. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think uh, your, your little uh, sort of uh, guitar riff there uh, definitely had some, some beats to it. You could yeah. dance to that. Yeah, it's guitar is supposed to be saxophone. I failed miserably then. <laughs> uh, no, I just hear everything is a guitar because okay. that's well, that's the way I grew up. Every, everything's a guitar. Three chords in the truth, man. Three chords in the truth. Is that one of those mouth guitars? It's called a saxophone scrimshaw. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Figuring it out. Anyway, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and the person making the great music with their mouth is Ken Knapsack. Yes, sir. Happy to be here for, wow, this is going to be an adventure. I just can't wait for this discussion. I have no idea where it's going to go. Yeah, this is a great one. I, I think it's going to be a great episode of the Clone Wars Report and has some just really interesting episodes. We are discussing a three-episode arc with a question mark <laughs> uh, that we are kind of calling Cad Bane's Quest. Uh, this is fascinating because we are right in the middle of the part of the Clone Wars that is the most confusing if you just watch it in broadcast order totally. we're watching it in chronological order which means we are doing some jumping back and forth through time in terms of broadcast and style of clone wars episodes but not in narrative so we're talking about season three episode eight evil plans written by steve mitchell and craig van sickle directed by brian kalen o'connell then season one episode 22 hostage crisis written by eowyn mahoney directed by giancarlo volpe then back to season three, episode nine, Hunt for Zero, written by Steve Mitchell and Craig Van Sickle, directed by Stuart Lee. So, Ken, not only is this one of the most confusing, uh, just if you're watching in broadcast order going, what the hell's going on with Zero? In prison? Alive? What? What the hell's going on? There's also just like a ton of interesting stuff going on with, you know, when Cad Bane's being introduced, when Or Singh is popping up, all sorts of different stuff. Yeah, no, we've had a couple moments so far where we, we've remarked on, hey, you know, it really, really helps to watch chronologically. This is this is a big, big victory for that watch list. Because I, I got to tell you, I've been asked, tweeted before a couple of years. I, I don't know. I never watch it chronological. I don't think that's a big, big of a deal. Wow. It comes to this stuff. I do now remember being more confused at the time with zero stuff around zero. Um, it makes sense. But um, it's been very rewarding, the chronological. And this one uh, was needed. Yeah, that season one episode, I believe, is the big finale of the first season yep which ends with a zero you know riding away and then you don't know what happened to it until <laughs> early to middle season three and to hear feloni and that featurette talk about it um as a, yeah it's kind of a prequel for the uh first one and everything and it and, you know makes sense to george's you know doing a lot of this like hey uh uh, let's go back and take a look again, which I totally agree. I think that's a great way to look at, Hey, that's a great moment. Let's go back and find out stuff before that. Totally get it. But it's to have Filoni just casually be like, Oh yeah, it's the prequel before it. Like what? <laughs> you know, like you do. <laughs> yeah. Like you do. Yeah. That's not usually how you do it, but it makes star Wars even more wild and weird and fun and surprising. So, uh, can I try to keep this summary short and I failed. This might be your best work coming. You don't, just don't uh, know yet. you just don't know it. We'll see. I broke it up into three paragraphs, and I might need to take a break for oxygen. We'll see in between them. But here, here we go. Here's an attempt at the summary of this uh, Cad Bane's quest arc. 
Oh, what twisted webs we weave when first we practice to free Zero the Hut from our public prison. Jabba the Hut is concerned about the damning information Zero the Hut has on the entire Hut Council, so he hires bounty hunter Cad Bane to free Zero. First, Cad Bane tracks Senator Padme Amidala's loyal droid C-3PO, hoping to get floor plans and blueprints for the Senate building. 3PO and R2 are sent by Padme to get Jogan fruit to make a dessert that will ensure the passage of a military oversight bill. 3PO and R2 are eventually abducted by Bane, and he gets the info from R2, wipes their memories, and the droids and their Jogan fruit make it home. Hooray, one arc completed. Then we go on to the next episode. Bane then uses the info about the Senate to take hostages, lock down the building, and demands Palpatine, who unknown to Bane, has hired him in the past as Sidious to free Zero. The gambit works, partially because Anakin gave Padme his lightsaber in a romantic attempt to demonstrate that she means everything to him, a gesture that almost gets himself, Padme, and several senators killed. (laughs) All right, third and final episode. Zero is released, and Bane brings her back to the Hut Council on the Hut homeworld of Nalhutta. The Council imprisons Zero, then celebrates by watching Twilight women put on a Vegas-style floor show. Meanwhile, the odd couple Jedi of uptight Obi-Wan Kenobi and freewheeling Quinlan Voss are dispatched. They are dispatched to capture both Zero and Cad Bane, but Zero is released by his former lover, Cy Snoodles. With the help of his mother, Mama the Hut, Zero escapes to death. There he reveals the hollow diary of Hut criminal deeds, which he has hidden in his mummified father's tomb. Sai mercilessly shoots Zero and escapes with the diary. Obi-Wan and Quinlan arrive on Teth and attempt to arrest Cad Bane. A thrilling chase and battle ensues, but Bane escapes. Sai Snoodle delivers the hollow diary to Jabba the Hut, and Jabba's power is safe for now. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, that was some of your best work. You had me at the first line. Great, uh, great <laughs> that, uh, phrase there. At, uh, nah, that's uh, you know, and it was at one point during uh, my second viewing of the third episode when we get to the tomb of, of Zero's father that I went, "Wow, this there's so much going on." In these episodes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the plot is is pretty linear and straightforward. Mm-hmm. Of Cad Bane wants the plans so he can put pressure. Uh, exert pressure to get Zero freed. He does that. It's successful. Uh, Zero is freed, but the inciting incident of Zero having the damning information about the uh, hut still needs to be resolved. Mm. So it's kind of a clear-cut narrative in a certain way if you center Zero as the main character, but there's just so many other threads, so many other individual stories being told in in the episodes, and so much just bonkers imagery characters it's mm-hmm. it a head spin and arc yeah yeah so what was your overall reaction then uh love it like it struggle with it did you love one episode and struggle with others where are you at with your big picture overall reaction yeah no look i um episode 122 uh the, the end season one i mean i i consider that one of my favorite clone wars episodes it, it's star wars die hard in a, way, a lot of way it is it is the how all of us were introduced to cad bane and um, I, I, I think it works thematically the way Cad Bane is introduced chronologically. Like, like I like that. I get that um, from a lot of standpoints, including a, like a writing storytelling standpoint. I still think this is a more powerful introduction. I think it's so cool. I, I really love uh, this, the middle episode. The other two episodes, I'm in a weird spot. But I don't, I, I told you, I think off air, I think I was telling you, I, I, have, uh, I have seen every episode. There's no way I can lie and say, well, I haven't seen that episode yet. 
Uh, I just had <laughs> no. I had blocked out the first episode. Evil plans had v- so I, until three PO starts getting tortured. That's the first moment I was like, "Wait, I vaguely <laughs> remember this." That sticks in your head, the torture right. of a beloved droid. Yeah, but I literally at one point, uh, you know, I was having a little dinner on the couch watching going through the first pass of watching these episodes. And I was literally like when they're in the market shopping for joking fruit, I literally was like, Oh my gosh, I have no idea what's going to happen. This is exciting. <laughs> I have no idea. I can't remember. And then the, the other episode, I absolutely remember. And I don't uh, look that we're going to can't wait to get to it. But I, I don't, this is not an episode I'd ever submit to someone to say, Oh, you want to watch the Clone Wars start here? Like it, it's so different. I probably have some grumpy memories, but I got to tell you, the overall statement I'll say right now before we dive into the weeds here is that third episode, it is so just out there. It is so much that I actually applaud it. Like I actually look <laughs> at it and go, yeah, you know what? This kind of is more Star Wars than almost other things. It is an episode of Star Wars that uh, doesn't ask why, it asks why not. <laughs> Uh, yeah, where, should the, <laughs> where should the hollow diary be? Uh, in his father's tomb. Uh, it, it, definitely a mummified hut. I mean, come on. Let's yeah. be let's be real about this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Should we make everyone uncomfortable in many different directions with this mama character? Yeah. You remember uh, Pearl the vampire from Blade? Let's do that. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Let's create a character that is that is challenging to talk about on podcasts even years later. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot, but it's so just like, okay, let's just go for this ride. Yeah, I think it, it kind of a non-jokey way to say it for me is I think this is a part of of why I love Star Wars, about why I talk about the wild or the weird or sometimes describe Star Wars as like it, it, it should be a table where, where one of the legs is shorter and it wobbles a little bit. There's something about that right. daring spirit of like, yeah, there's some stuff in that episode. We'll, we're going to talk about that. Uh, it doesn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> if I had had the opportunity to have the red pen, pen and said, let's skip this or let's tweak this, I probably would have. Right. But as a viewer, there's something about Star Wars having that spirit to it of we got to stay fresh. We got to try to surprise ourselves. We can't just say stay safe. We've got to wander off the edge of the map and try weird crap. Mm. Yeah, and sometimes it's crap, and sometimes it's gold or crap gold. <laughs> we got to try it. Uh, yeah, and again, I wouldn't. This is not. An, in fact, um, you know, uh, uh, my partner now, fiance Grace, uh, always kind of stroll through the living room while watching this stuff. She's a big Star Wars fan. Has not spent some time with Clone Wars, so it's funny. She'll either turn and go, "Who's that?" I'm like, "Oh, that's Asajj Ventress," or this one. What are you watching? <laughs> is that Star Wars? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we're in the same place uh, in general with this arc. Uh, there are parts of it that I love, parts of it that I that I struggle with, which we'll talk about. I think it is notable and interesting because it is one of the most confusing arcs in in broadcast order. Um, I, a couple of things that I really love about the arc is I just like the Cad Bane quality time. Um, mm-hmm. This is you know a ton of great Cad Bane stuff. I think there's some thematic stuff with him that works really well. Uh, you know. I love that he is a character that a lot of people gravitate toward because he's just a great bounty hunter. He looks cool. Mm-hmm. He sounds cool. He is, you know, a detached badass. But I really like the consistency in the writing of him that he succeeds because he plans well and improvises well. You know, right. and th- that combination makes him a real threat to the Jedi. Of Like, he's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve and he can uh, adapt quickly. 
And I think that that has shown off really well in this whole arc. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of episode by episode, Evil Plans, I really love. This is one of the episodes that sticks in my head. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because like on my second view through Clone Wars, I just really love seeing Anakin and Padme in a domestic situation. Mm-hmm. And I love seeing 3PO actually being a protocol droid. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. So much of it is about him being a protocol droid, and I love getting to see him just kind of uh, kick an ass yep. <laughs> at knowing, uh, at planning a dinner party, you know? And when people joke about, you know, what is 3PO good for? How could he help? You know, and like that, he's a perfect droid for yep. Padme. He, like, I always think of this episode, and I always think of of the Jogan fruit. And I think I love the episode for those things. Uh, yeah. I'll be with you on that going forward. Like, uh, <laughs> I, seriously, like, um, it, it, you know, it's a droids day out type of vibe and there's some really dark stuff that happens and, and some interesting things. Um, and, and uh, I love R2D2, but this, I, I mean, he's sometimes a jerk and it uh, really shows. <laughs> I love it. Um, no, I, I actually, I'm with you on that. I, I think uh, it was very fun to watch that stuff with repeat. Yeah. Uh, and then for me, uh, Hostage Crisis. Yeah, that's one that sticks in my head as well. I love you calling it uh, Star Wars Die Hard. That is absolutely structurally, functionally uh, what's going on. But I think the reason it always pops into my head is it's a, a great episode with great uh, tension. Cad Bane or Singh, there's all sorts of stuff to enjoy about it. But the fact that it is all uh, hinges on this question of Anakin and Padme making their relationship work. It's one of those moments that really follows up on uh, Attack the Clones and their uh, their fireside chat about, can we make this work? And this is one of those episodes that says, yeah, uh, here's an example of what some of the problems might be. And I always think of this episode, too, when we talk about lightsabers. We've done a couple different episodes where we talk about lightsabers in general or, or track the kind of the weighty moments of the Skywalker blade. Yeah. This is an episode of the Clone Wars, um, I think because the Clone Wars has so many Jedi and we get to see so many lightsabers in action, sometimes they can just be like, cool, lightsabers, weapons, awesome. This is an episode that makes the Skywalker blade, the lightsaber in general, have weight. It's mythic. It's a symbol. It's not just a weapon. And that's one of the things that I really love about this episode and why it often pops into my head. Uh, uh, Yeah, the great, great stuff. Great point. Yeah, and then the f- final kind of overall picture for me, Hunt for Zero, is in some ways the most fascinating because mm-hmm. sometimes I just remember this is the one with Quinlan Voss, and I love him being a very different Jedi because mm-hmm. I think variety in Jedi is great. I love uh, the sort of buddy comedy vibe between him and Obi-Wan of the uptight guy and the freewheeling guy is great. And then sometimes I forget that it is combined with the super bonkers, tonally weird, uh, Sai Snoodles is a femme fatale, Mama the Hut is a whole conversation to be had. It's such a weird mashup of, like, for me, some of the most challenging stuff in the Clone Wars mm-hmm. with one of my favorite threads of, of Quinlan Voss and Obi-Wan buddy comedy. And then that amazing fight with Cad Bane, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote this note about, I said, I hate everything about this episode. It's the best. Um, <laughs> you know, you got the, 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 the homages to gangster films. I mean, I mean, not like, oh, that's kind of, that's like, oh, they're just, that's Edward G. Robinson. There you go. Uh, Indiana <laughs> Jones, Blade, like which reference to batteries not included. They just dumped the bucket of references and influences on this good and bad. 
<laughs> as we'll discuss. Uh, and time may, you know, ch- changes the way we look at things because I, I feel it should. Um, there, but at the end of the day, I just kind of just slow clapped. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I just went through an experience. I'm never going to say, you know, uh, that uh, that's kind of is a standard episode. No, no. And then even dealing with the whole if like me, Zero the Hut did not work for you when you first saw the film. Then you've got a little bit also of this sort of this thread that can run through Star Wars fandom of vengeance. Right. Um, like when uh, I know it is kind of lost to time. But I'll, trust me, please believe me, there's a long time where a lot of people despise the Ewoks. If you were born at a certain time, if you saw Empire Strikes Back and you were cognizant to wonder about what was going to be in Return of the Jedi, a large portion of people didn't like Ewoks. And I remember multiple friends telling me, I remember articles coming out when there was whatever version of Battlefront where you could shoot at the Ewoks and people were like, yes, finally. <laughs> There's that thread in Star Wars, or like the joke of putting out the uh, the exclusive uh, Jar Jar figure frozen in carbonite. There's, yeah. and there's, I almost feel that in in this episode too, where, oh, did you not like Zero? Well, how about if he's just shot through the heart twice and just falls over like a lump of meat? Did you like that? Uh, and and utters uh, a line. Uh, it was he? Yeah, he utters a line from a movie. Yeah, I mean, there's so many references. Yeah, yeah. And but yeah. don't listen to the propaganda. Jennifer Landa will tell you the Ewoks they were hated at one point. Don't listen. <laughs> I'm very glad to leave that in the past. Uh, my own Ewok uh, yes. un, uh, upset is is in the past, and I'm happy for it. <laughs> but sometimes I really do have to be like, but but I did not imagine this. I lived it. <laughs> it happened. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's go on to the morals of the episodes. Can uh, here are the morals. The first one, uh, evil plans. The moral is a uh, failure in planning is a plan for failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, hostage crisis is a secret shared is a trust formed, and hunt for zero. The bonkers one is love comes in all shapes and sizes. <laughs> that it does. That it does. Uh, what are your reactions to these morals? Are, are any of these uh, things that you are going to pin up on your wall and, and take into your life? Uh, yeah. The, the, uh, man, I got to say, a lot of these uh, these morals, uh, like, okay, well, secret shared is a trust form. Oh, that's great. And yeah, and again, Padme got this uh, trust forming out of the secret. But I'm like, but there's also a lot of bad things about that. <laughs> Uh huh. Uh, what's going on here? Uh, a failure in planning is a, is a plan for failure. Like, first of all, I'm someone has uh, like we oh we're doing a show at four. I'll start planning at one. I'm not, so maybe I need to pay attention to this episode. Uh, and 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 I look at there's 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 the battle plans that they need to get that Cad Bane needs. So they need that plan for they need to steal the plans literally for their success. But also pa- Padme's party plans, if they had gone right, R two looking at you, none of this would have happened. <laughs> None of this would happen. And then also she needs her plans to work for political reasons. So there's a lot of importance in that. Uh, love comes in all shapes and sizes. I did focus specifically on the um, Voss and Kenobi relationship. It is mm. its own kind of uh, work love, work partnership. Uh, two Jedis, they got to solve something important and get along. And they have to form this working par- partnership when it's not immediately clear to each of them or maybe Kenobi, um, that they need to work together and, and uh, partnerships come in all shapes and sizes as well. So I focused on that. And there's also a lot of other different examples of that in the episode. Yeah, pretty literally uh, size noodles in, in Zero the Hut uh, trying to find a way to kiss when their mouths are very, very different. His fairly literal love comes in all shapes and sizes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think for me, uh, very similar reaction. Love comes in all shapes and sizes. 
almost feels a little tongue in cheek. I think you, you're mm-hmm. great for you to be pulling out the uh, working relationship of Quinlan and Obi Wan. I think that's I think that's spot on. Um, but it also feels almost just a little tongue in cheek it, it, toward the the fun and the weird side of this episode. Um, yeah. I agree with you on a secret shared is a trust formed that this is the the episode is an effort for Anakin to try to display how much he trusts Padme with his life but there is a dark side to that and also it's hard for me to look at that of thinking of Bail or Kana's line of like why do you have a Jedi's lightsaber (laughs) and then thinking a secret shared is a trust formed and knowing how close Padme and Bail are and like ooh yeah yeah that is a secret that is explicitly not shared (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, and finally, uh, a failure in planning is a plan for failure. I kind of love that one because it, it sounds like something that would just be up on, you know, your second grade teacher's wall with a picture right. of an apple with a worm in it for some reason. Um, but I, I just I, I am somebody who can improvise and, and pride myself on being able to improvise. But I also like planning. Right. Uh, so I, that one really spoke to me. And I think you you pulled out all of those the great ways it can be seen in the episode. Yeah. So with that, then let's get into the big themes, the big ideas that are at stake in these episodes. I kind of broke it up into talking about, is there a theme throughout this arc that jumps back and forward in time in terms of when it was produced? And then I broke it down to what I thought was powerful about okay. each individual episode. So let's let's start by just talking about the big picture arc. For you, Ken, was there anything that really connected thematically this arc? Um, I, I there, there might be... Uh... Yeah, now that I think about it, uh, I I wrote down this line of, your actions then can hurt you now. And I was focusing a little bit on zero, but even going to the party, R2, yeah, I'm going to joke. I love R2. I just, uh, you know, he makes some some decisions in this episode, at least the first one. Um, But your actions, you know, they will have effects. That's why we we focus on choices in Star Wars and in life. But that's why, hey, you come to this point, make a choice, uh, left or right, straight, wherever you go, it's going to affect you whether you think so or not. And then, you know, maybe that's fair to you. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's about your own redemption later on. Maybe it's about being successful later on. But I, I, I keep thinking about that. There's a lot of this happened causing this. Hmm. Mm. Did you have a feeling that that, choices were leading to unintended consequences did you feel like it was a sort of like morality tale where um dubious choices led to bad <laughs> results yeah some of it was uh again focus on the r2 stuff he, he makes some very funny r2 like decisions and that, that, by the way there's some great comedy to be mind we'll talk about of anakin just uh oh that 3po and it's his boy r2 making all the mistakes there i mean specifically r2 falling for the the salesperson pitch to uh Go get a droid spa. Go get a droid spa, not being there. You know, there's a lot of things. And, and you know, again, I, I believe R2 is one of the heroes of the galaxy. So I don't want to be too hard on my astromech uh, buddy there. Uh, but there's that. But also even going to jumping ahead a bit to to Zero in the third episode, um, who he was affecting him now. And I'm not justifying size noodles. And who knows, does this choice lead, what leads to her life, you know? Um uh, it just uh, that that there there was uh, zero who he was caught up with him in some way, and that that spoke to me. Not that I I'm not expecting to be uh, blasted in the heart today, but but <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like uh, that that all that kind of so your unintended consequences. Yes, in some cases, it, but again with with Anakin, it it literally almost cost many people lives. But mm-hmm. this this um, 
uh, immature kind of focus on, well, look how much I love you. And, and there's, <laughs> I get some of it. I get where it comes from, Anakin, but uh, we know the big picture. So, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll say, yeah, you kind of touched, touched on what I was thinking there. Okay, yeah, I think the the thing that I pulled out dovetails with that a little bit. I, I think what was most powerful to me is that all of these uh, individual episodes had this core of emotional vulnerability. And maybe that goes to you of like the all the choices that are being made are are really emotional choices. Many choices are emotional, but everything in these episodes really hinged on this uh, idea that Star Wars often advocates for attachment and connection and caring about others. And this was almost this like sort of dark tale about how your emotions can be used against you to make you vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, That first episode, you're really focusing, I think in a great way on R2 being like, Hey, you know, screw you 3PO. (laughs) I want to get, I want to get a spa. I want to get cleaned up. Mm -hmm. Life is hard for old R2. I'm, I'm getting cleaned up. Mm -hmm. Um, but what really affected me most in that episode about how to actually resolve Cad Bane's plan, because there's this great stuff about Cad Bane thinking 3PO will have the information and he doesn't. Right. And I'll have some more thoughts on that. And then the key pressure point that actually gets Cad Bane to win, to get the information, is the fact that R2 does care about 3PO, right? Because right. he's he's hiding and he's successfully hiding and then there's that realization of like, oh, let's talk about how much we're going to mess up his pal. Mm-hmm. And then R2 knocks over that can and allows himself to be caught. And, you know, R2 and 3PO's minds get wiped. <laughs> so they don't know. But it is R2's caring. Uh, you know, I don't want to do too huge of a stretch, but this is total Sith stuff of, oh, do you care about somebody? That makes you vulnerable and I can use it to get what I want out of you. Mm-hmm. It totally what, what happens to R2 in this episode. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's a stretch at all. That's layered in there, and that's clearly a point. And, and again, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't. I'm not coming too hard at um, my boy R2, but I think you're right there too. It's, it's he, he and Chewie have some of the best loyalty in the series, and it's really on display here. So yeah, yeah. Right. And then the that second episode is all about Anakin trying to display his emotional vulnerability as as a way to to say to Padme, this is how much I love you, is to just let myself be completely vulnerable. And whoops, also everyone <laughs> that I'm sworn to protect. Right, uh, right, right. So emotional vulnerability is, the to me, the entire engine of that episode. And then there's so much going on in the third episode, but I think the main engine of the actual events is Zero the Hut's kind of cynical assumption that, of course, Sice Noodles loves him. Right. You know, that there's nothing that he could have done that would have put him in jeopardy. You know, he's showing such, uh, there's almost a, a, a thread where he, he thinks that he is such a master manipulator and that he's got Snyder, uh, Sai wrapped around uh, his uh, hut finger. Mm-hmm. And then no, he doesn't. His, his assumption that he has no vulnerability mm-hmm. uh, totally leads to his death. And, and I like that it's practical that Sai's like, yeah, no, let me get the, uh, hollow diary for Jabba. Nobody suspects that I could do that. But also, like, I always get the vibe from that episode that even if it wasn't over a hollow diary, <laughs> she'd still shoot zero. Yes. <laughs> for uh, the emotional betrayal. Yes. I've, I haven't been a perfect hut. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, no, and that's a, that's a very real world thing. I, I've, I've worked with some folks who were who just along the way, 
think they got you all on on their side, but they're slowly hurting you. They're slowly, uh, you know, causing problems and it catches up and they can't comprehend it. Maybe too yeah. late. That, 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 that struck a real uh, chord with me. That's why I'm not fully condoning all of Cy Snoodle's actions. <laughs> I understand no. where some of it comes there. I get it. Yeah, it's it's understandable. Uh, it, we're not advocating uh, using your blaster. Yeah, please don't. Please don't. Yeah. No. No. And then final thing for me on kind of this big arc is the thing that does. It is about zero, but if there is a kind of main character of the arc, to me, it is Cad. He is the one who has the specific missions each episode and carries them out successfully. And I think it's a, a picture of. It's not a way to be happy. It's not a way to, you know, make a better galaxy. But on, in a really brutal mercenary way, Cad Bane gets to be really successful because he has no emotional vulnerability whatsoever. He's very clear about, I do not give a damn about anything but getting paid. The right. closest he comes to having an emotion is when he's kind of sick of working for the huts <laughs> yes. and having anything to do with zero. That's the closest he gets to an emotion. And that's the antithesis of of Han Solo in New Hope and why uh, I think we here collectively uh, as a Force Center team rebuffed the idea that at the beginning of New Hope, Han was a bad guy. He, he wasn't. He, he, the heart of gold thing rings true. And, and, and he, you know, he collects his money, but he can't he knows what's right. He knows he, he, he struggles with the vulnerability, but he has it. And you got Cad Bane, maybe Boba Fett's on the other side of that, too, a little bit of uh, no, I'm here for money. I ain't here for you. <laughs> And I'm your worst nightmare. Yeah, if Cad Bane has a heart of gold, it's just because it's where he's literally storing his gold, his money, because that's all he cares about. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, so that was my kind of thoughts on the big picture. Let's talk about the individual episodes. Uh, did you pull out a, a specific theme or idea that you wanted to talk about within Evil Plans? Um, I let me get to my. Well, we talked. We talked a lot about uh, the actions and everything. I might be coming back to that and a lot here but i wrote down this note of just the, the seemingly mundane is very Im important and, and i think that even reflects into the larger star wars story we got the droids are making a party happen for padme to win a, a vote and it's a party and it's fun and it's dessert but but it ties in the bigger picture and i think a lot of I, I i think star wars asks you a lot to like what you well we talked about the big you know for those who haven't read the alphabet squadron um, thing maybe and you don't want to be spoiled uh, i warn you here for a second but just that the big reveal of the Sentinel droid of, of Palpatine was tracking literally everyone's actions in the Empire to see who was uh, who could be moved off their moral center. That's very and it was mundane stuff. It wasn't just uh, blasting Ewoks. It was like you fudge court. <laughs> and I think that's uh, I think what you do daily. It, it, that's the big choices. It's not always these. Uh, will I fight for the em Empire or not? It is again. Will I move a zero on the form and everything and 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 how that could affect things. Uh, and also the importance of of um, not just doing right, but I mean, going back to what I'm my my old thesis statement here: the droids are making a party, yay! But that party needs to happen because it's part of Padme's uh, drive to better the galaxy for, from her point of view, and what we probably accept as the right point of view here in the Star Wars story. So, and it's just it's so mundane. It starts with a party, and it blows up into so much more. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like what you're saying of it is a celebration of there is power in the mundane. Mm -hmm. um, this mundane trip to just go get this needed supply, the Jogan fruit, you know, explodes into this bigger thing. Uh, but yeah, but the idea that even in what appears to be mundane, there can be great power and meaning is great. Right. Um, for me, what really uh, kind of 
echoed out from evil plans was this idea that knowledge gives you value, value, knowledge gives you power. Um, Mm -hmm. So much of it is framed about uh, who knows what, like the whole kickoff of this arc Mm -hmm. is that the huts need zero out of prison because he has information on them. He has damning information on them. So the whole thing is motivated by knowledge that must be controlled. That is giving zero power that zero would not have without that knowledge. That's correct. Uh, and then a lot of it is this episode is about between the droids, who has the actual technical knowledge, the information that Cad Bane needs to execute this plan, which is floor plans, blueprints of the Senate. And R2 is often the droid that kind of gets uh, set up to be valued more. And that happens in this episode that he's the one who holds actual strategic information that Cad Bane successfully gets. And then this theme is really highlighted for me in 3PO's journey that 3PO is deemed literally worthless by Cad Bane. Kind of takes the joke of 3PO of he's a protocol droid whose skills are not are often not the most helpful. <laughs> you know, in the movies when our heroes are are you know fighting for their lives, and there's a little bit of a joke of 3PO being uh, somebody who supposedly understands. Uh, how to, you know, have different cultures communicate with one another and often is the worst at understanding humans and the worst at understanding what's going on. And all those kind of fun jokes and that fun charm is made sort of viciously real by Cad Bane just going, yeah, I don't care about languages or Mm. dinner parties. You're worthless. You don't have real information. Mm. And then that really gets turned on its head by he arrives, 3PO arrives back, it's got the Jogan fruit. He planned this whole dinner. And because he did a great job with his actual protocol knowledge and skills, uh, Padme gets a, a treaty signed or, or a bill signed rather and tells him he did a magnificent job. And it ends on that kind of cute joke of 3PO keep just repeating, I did a magnificent job. And Anakin going, oh, Lord, uh, which is funny. But for me, it's kind of heartfelt because this episode raises this question of what knowledge has value. And the answer is everybody's knowledge has value. We can look at 3PO's protocol skills as being a joke, but they're actually really important. And here's an example where they really matter. And that ties to the big big picture you and I have been highlighting a lot lately of of everyone being an ally or everyone seeing everyone for what they're worth and, and finding what their specific worth is. That's big. That's great. That's a big pull. I think, uh, yeah, I think you're, I really love that. It, that moment at the end reminded me of uh, Ray and Rise of Skywalker. No one knows the odds better than you, 3PO. Like that, that line gets me teary eyed sometimes. Absolutely. And, it's yeah. justice for 3PO. And this one comes across in a, in a jokey way, but kind of structurally in the events. Yeah. It, it is what happens. Cad Bane calls him worthless. And by the end of the episode, we realize, no, he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Moving on then to the the hostage situation uh, episode, uh, this one might be the the juiciest uh, for big ideas. Uh, did you have anything, any thoughts you wanted to share on this episode? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I always seem to focus on something that speaks to me, right? And it's how I take in Star Wars a lot. I know you do as well, a lot of our listeners. And so this one, it's just this idea, and I've said it before, but just sometimes, especially... Um, if you're like Anakin, <laughs> uh, I, I, the idea of, of of love being confused as possession and and, and this mm. attachment that big that big Star Wars word attachment, which was just I don't know it was especially during this era or, or, or the ninety nine and two thousand two Attack of the Clones uh, prequel era like it, attachment yeah we get it uh, Anakin's attached I, I just don't think we see how deep it goes and this is a great a literal example I I, th- I understand from Anakin's point of view 
really? I love you so much. I'll give you my weapon. I love you more than anything. You think I, I go to uh, Geonosis uh, with Anakin wanting to jump off and, and save Padme as she mm-hmm. rolls down the sand hill there, sand dune. Um, uh, sand hill. I grew up near Pismo Beach with sand dunes. I'm sorry, folks. Um, <laughs> but, but this is it. It's really on display. The fact that he puts he puts Padme above all else, which is something maybe, you know, with, with your wife, you would say, hey, yeah, that's something I, I agree with. But how it twists and it's romantic in his mind, but it's indicative of what's cracking him up inside. It's just destroying him and it's slowly and it's already there. It's always there. And there's even a one point where um, he does the, you know, it's, it's fun banter. Like I said, it's, it, there's a lot of connective threads to the marriage and tech loans and their domestic life that they don't fully get to experience. But there's something he's not listening to her. Such an Anakin trait, right? And and, and she and he and he, I'll give you my lightsaber. I love you more than anything. And you, oh, you, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but just you put me below your work. And she's like, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. And he just doesn't. And you and I have been talking about how no one listens to Padme, especially in Attack of Clone. <laughs> and 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 because he doesn't listen, to that he get he almost gets himself killed, her killed, everyone killed, or at best, maybe the best case scenario was their relationship would be exposed, which could cause problems or have ramifications and it all goes to this idea of him uh, saying confusing love for possession yeah you are saying some great things here i really like that how clear this is that th- uh, the way you're saying it is so super clear of anakin intends this to be romantic and this is the problem is that he thinks love is possession mm-hmm. he, he thinks like uh i want to own you padme in in, in order to show you that the value of that i want you to own me here's a symbol of me you can have it you can have me and it it sounds romantic until you realize how uh you know how how problematic it is yeah yeah and 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 there's some angles in it that are are um you know there's a lot of bad angles in it from Anakin, but a lot, it's, it's, he's very supportive of Padme. He loves Padme. There's a lot of things, but like he, it's so twisted. And, 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 and I love that you highlighted that. It's not just like, he doesn't want to possess her. He's also like, no, 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 you possess me too. Cause that's how this works. Right. And yeah. And I mean, oh. and this is the great story of Anakin, right? Because he's experienced loss in, in all, all sort of jokes about marriage or sex or what kind of attachment is okay or not aside. This is the heart of what the Jedi are concerned about of, Loving people is great, but we're concerned because that can turn into this fear of losing them. Mm-hmm. And the more you're afraid of losing them, the tighter you hold them to you. And then you're not loving them selflessly. You are selfishly afraid of the pain of you losing them. Yeah. 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 And, that, yeah. and this episode plays with that in really great dynamic ways. It, it shows it. It shows it. Like if, if I was just a you know, pull down some, some young folks, I'll say young folks, but norm, uh, normally looking at folks like Anakin, <laughs> um, <laughs> sit, sit them down in a classroom and pull down some sheets and some flow charts of here's how you can, you know, uh, even for me, I had a little bit of, I didn't understand what it really was. And I, I, I'm not, not even, I'm not even talking about in relationship. I just was a little bit of a, uh, you know, uh, just out there in the world, just uh, love me, love me, not understanding what that means. And that's my 20s. And that's a lot of people's 20s, by the way. That's Anakin <laughs> at this point. Definitely mine. I will cop to that as yeah. well. I want to put this episode shows it with some cool pew, pew, pew. Look past the pew, pew, pew. What does a pew, pew, pew mean? What's the why of it? It's this, it's this, it's everything. It is the core of this episode is Anakin and Padme. Yeah. And I, and I think maybe one of the other great things that this shows in that opening scene is, uh, to love Padme, to love someone like Padme in what I would deem a healthy way is to love the totality 
of Padme. And if you love Padme, then you love somebody who is devoted to her work and helping others. And you have to give her the space to do that. You have to support her. You have to respect her. And that is not happening in this scene, right? And it, yeah. She kind of brings it back to the conversation. She's like, she is friendly, loving, in, in, clearly in love with him. Yeah. Wants to, definitely wants to spend time with him. Seems tempted by the let's just, you know, go away on a mm-hmm. quote, uh, meditation retreat yeah. <laughs> for two, two weeks. But she really reiterates the conversation that they had at the, uh, you know, by the fireplace back on Naboo, Mm -hmm. where she is saying the work we both do is in service to the Republic to protect those who would otherwise be powerless to protect themselves. She is so focused on this is a part of who I am. And then Anakin says, uh, to me, there's nothing more important than the way I feel about you, which sounds very romantic until you are so obsessed that you're willing to give yourself to the dark side. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, to put Padme, your feelings about Padme, like, right? Because that's even the way he phrases it. He, yeah. There's nothing more important than the way I feel about you. That's even a selfish construct, you yeah. know? It would it would still maybe be dubious if he said, to me, there's nothing more important than you. Mm. But it's not even that. It's not even as selfless as that. It's not even, I will do anything for you. It's, I will do anything to protect the way I feel about you. Yeah, and we saw some of that in, in Clone Wars season seven with him and, and Ahsoka, the, the switching of of the blades. Uh, yeah, or it, it, it's about look at it because I think at the end of the day, it's it's that it's that uh, nice guy, that nice kid from Tatooine, and that's and I think that's the heart that comes back and and, and connects in the end and, and Return of the Jedi. So it's there. It's, uh, I don't want to completely vilify Anakin, except for he completely vilifies himself. I want to smash cut to from this ep, from this scene from him saying that line you just said of how I feel about you. I'm going to smash cut to him going, where's Padme? And <laughs> goes, gotcha. Yeah. To me, there's nothing more important than the way I feel about you. I wrote down sounds romantic until you're killing younglings. Like it's, I mean, that's kind of an awful way to say it, but I mean, that is the path that leads him to that of the, uh, in order, in order to be, you know, fully to risk, to open up this power that's going to save her. I need to just steep myself in the dark side, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's awful. It's awful what he does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that's not an argument. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. But yeah. It, and again, it's, this is great storytelling because this is just this is the tragedy of Anakin. It's is that that loss leading to yeah. uh, feeling this this deep fear of of if somebody if I love someone I'm for sure going to lose them. So I have to hold them tighter and tighter and tighter and closer and closer until you know i'm hurting them well look this is uh and this is this great wonderful episode we, we haven't even really got to cad bane and the cool action <laughs> or a sing show there's so much stuff this is why i love this episode but you're so right i i'm listening to you talk about some of this is joseph and i'm, I'm smash cunning in my brain to george lucas on stage going yeah i made the i a lot of you just didn't get it so i had to tell the story of anakin falling because he didn't get it this is one yeah. of those small mundane but he loves her and that will have that this is the path is already in front of him that he's sliding on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think for me, like the big theme that I pulled out of all of this is partially what we're talking about, but I love that it's really concrete in the events is there's this big theme in star Wars of, uh, being selfless versus being, uh, selfish and the value of if you decide to become a Jedi or a Senator or somebody whose life is devoted to helping others, then you need to make that a priority over your own uh, desires sometimes. That's a sacrifice that you make. Mm-hmm. And that's every, this episode is hinged on that, right? Padme and all the other senators are working hard to protect the people of the Republic from Palpatine's, by the way, 
enhanced privacy invasion bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we can talk about whether that's what Palpatine named it or what the people opposing it uh, have named right, it. Right, right, right. Uh, but again, like a lot of these things in Clone Wars, it's just thrown out there. But if you look at what the actual, you know, legislation that Padme is concerned about is she's trying to help people. Yeah. Uh, so she's coming from a, I'm trying to help people because it's what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this whole conversation, Anakin is not taking his responsibility to protect, protect others seriously, even when Padme tries to remind him. And then I love that it all becomes about the lightsaber, right? Because he sees his lightsaber as a symbol of himself. He even yeah. emphasizes this idea that the lightsaber is there only to protect his life. You know, he, he reshares the Obi-Wan quote, this weapon is your life. Mm. So since he sees this weapon as a symbol of, of himself, uh, as a symbol of being a Jedi, he hands it away to Padme. He doesn't have the blade when he needs it to protect others, when he needs it to protect the Senate. And he can only save them all from literal death when he gets the blade back and it makes the lightsaber this symbol of what is it for is it a sim is it just to protect you jedi or is it to protect others is it a selfish object or is it a selfless object Hmm. and it really dovetails with the lightsaber lost with the journey that uh ahsoka goes through to realize a lightsaber isn't just my possession it's my responsibility you know yeah and if he had seen the lightsaber as an extension of the philosophy of being a jedi is to protect others instead of a just a symbol of himself in his own life and his own protection he wouldn't have exposed all these people to to the danger he should have been protecting them from mm. that's a big well said on that one especially the tiny the ahsoka thing of just that you just you, you, you switch your perspective by one word and it changes everything yeah yeah, this weapon is your life and other people's. That's the whole point of being a Jedi. Yeah. Defense. Yeah. Responsibility. It, it's it's a it's a big yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm gonna, it, it's gonna remix your point. I'll just say well said. <laughs> uh, all right. We could go on and on about that one because it's so great. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about it as we talk about the action and the comedy. But let's talk about uh Hunt for Zero. Any any big uh, theme or idea jump out for that particular arc? Or episode, rather? Yeah, the, the, the big theme is, look, if you're going to throw a, a dance party, make it huge. If you, <laughs> um, uh, you know, look, it's uh, Club Obi-Wan from uh, Temple of Doom. It li- Literally, it's where they drew the inspiration, right? So it works works there. No, I, I get it. Focus on the, the, the your actions then can hurt you now. There's a lot of that. There's there's uh, clearly some who Zero is, even with his, his, uh, his mama. Uh, is uh, there's a lot of damage that he's caused and, and, and it can spin off and, and hurt others and eventually catch up with you. And I think that's, uh, that's part of the Star Wars story for me as we also turn our eye to what reflects the larger story. Um, uh, again, these big choices. Uh, there's stuff for me, the, the power, you said the knowledge. Um, uh, if you, you know, if you, in the first episode, you're looking at 3PO's worth and it's either ignored or you appreciate it for what it is. Uh, there's something to me in, in size snoodles being the, uh, you said the femme fatale kind of gangsters, the boop, boop, a do and look at me. Now I got the gun. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a little bit of that too of, uh, uh, again, I, 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 I'm not condoning her killing, <laughs> <zero>. <laughs> but you gotta think there was something there 
you know, and I like, I kind of like, as we get into, we'll get into details. I kind of like, uh, you know, she makes her own way here and she takes care of herself and she gets what I think is a good, probably contract with job. I think she starts her career at Jabba's Palace shortly after this. Well, yeah, and I love how explicit she is. Uh, you didn't write the line down, so I'm paraphrasing about like, nobody expected that from me, huh? Like, it's yeah. got an edge to it. It does. It does. And and it is, uh, you know, this is, um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, it's, uh, it's uh, treating everyone as an individual, treating everyone as a, as a person with, with hopes and, and dreams and failures and follies and, 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 Things that have gone wrong, I, I and I'm not writing them off. I think it's easy, you know. Well, I'll, I'll give this right now. There's, there's always um, starting from Ula on, who's a very tragic character. There's always been a, a really just overt sexualization of the Twi'leks. And by the way, own it, Twi'leks, great. You know, if for two, you want to dance too. I have no problem with people just owning uh, how they feel about themselves and how they look. It's just, but how we can react to that is is to to overlook them to downgrade to to put put them in a, in, a, in a box and here's size needles going i ain't i ain't just your singing dancing uh you know uh um uh you know uh, gal up there to be overlooked and to be treated uh and and over sexualized or whatever it might be i'll use it to get what i want here in this situation but i am me and i have value and i have everything and i think that's a big star wars thing i think it is Absolutely. I think often the the theme of everyone has value, you know, I think that's Ewoks, that's Jar Jar. We talk about it yeah. popping up in lots of different places. And this is fun to see a slightly darker version of that. Of, Dark. You didn't think I could F and kill you yeah. <laughs> because you weren't paying attention to uh, this idea that that everyone is more than one thing. Maybe every maybe people have values in skills that that you don't see or yeah. appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, again, uh, to, to speak, uh, you know, it's in Star Wars, but plainly as I can, like, uh, it's it's all right to look at those those two like sexy dance girls, but if you stop there, that's on you, not them, and 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 that's part of the problem, and that's part of what size noodles I think is fighting against with zero zero overlooked her, everyone overlooked. Yeah, no, I like it. I think uh, I think size noodles is dark Jar Jar. That's what we've come to. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, only other thing for Hunt for Zero is that I was really affected by like almost everything is about trust. You know, I think it's oh. what connects the little journeys. Uh, Obi-Wan and, and Quinlan uh, Voss struggle to trust one another's methods and, and personalities. It's mm-hmm. it's mostly just played uh, for comedy, but it's there. Uh, Zero puts his trust in Size Noodles uh, when he should not, when he has plenty of clear opportunity to realize eh, you have treated this person poorly. Uh, Mom of the Hut. <laughs> abandoned by her her husband partner who yeah. she doesn't even know is dead but also just gives info to anybody who right. comes to her house for any reason yeah <laughs> there's a there's a, it's kind of about trust in that she's just like i don't care yeah <laughs> uh, it's, i'm not weighing whether to trust anybody uh, like oh my child uh bounty hunter some jedi whatever i'll give you all the same information yeah <laughs> yeah and then, you know, to take it all back to Cad Bane, you know, I don't think he trusts anyone. Totally. And it works out for him. We've touched a lot then on how these themes in these episodes reflect larger story morality of Star Wars. Anything else that you wanted to touch on there? I don't think anything too big. Sorry, I, I, sometimes I just uh, get so excited, I bleed it over. But I, I, you Oh, know, it's just fine. Yeah, no, but the choice is the attachment. It's, it's the big core of, of Star Wars stories, which is... Um, it's so funny. A friend of mine just asked, like, hey, you know, what do you think about the state of Star Wars uh, uh, the, the, these days? 
uh, in the last five years. And I was like, it's it's a big victory, not for the individual plot points or the movies and the box office numbers. It's a victory for the celebration of the core of Star Wars and, and going to the new generations and speaking about those choices, speaking about destiny, speaking about the the, the fears and the attachments and all those buzzwords in Star Wars. But it's, it's the through line and the Clone Wars, sometimes warts and all. We'll talk about some warts in this episode. Um, but warts and all, it, it works when it goes to those core themes and and just and that's we've touched upon them there and they really connect into the big perspective of star wars yeah totally agree uh, i think that's uh, very well said and i i with your permission might use that the next time uh, i have a conversation with somebody in in about star wars who really want to boil it down to box office or individual plot point like yeah. no it's it's the big connective tissue yeah. that makes it powerful um, for me, I, I always just like tracking what kind of information do we get about the state of the war, the state of the galaxy uh, from the narrator. Uh, first episode narrator explicitly says, with the Jedi focused on the war effort, criminal minds are left unchecked to spread fear and corruption. Uh, this is another arc where uh, there are no Sith directly involved in the machinations. Uh, there even seems like there's a Sith, Darth Sidious, a little put out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I didn't plan this one, damn it. Um so there are no Sith present, but this is really a pic- picture that the war is causing additional problems that are not just the war itself, additional pain. That This cloud of the dark side is, is all the things that are happening because of the war, not just the thousands that are dying, but the refugees and the unchecked crime. And then I like that also this is just kind of a picture of crime as a part of the dark side, not the actual mystical touching the force dark side, but what the dark side symbolized you know Mm -hmm. everyone in these episodes they're not outside of anakin wrestling with some things and padme trying to uh be be somebody who helps uh everybody else all the villains are concerned about leverage payment revenge Mm -hmm. emotional connections are just a weakness to exploit it's a real picture of you don't have to be able to wield a lightsaber or shoot lightning out of your fingers Mm -hmm. uh to be a part of the dark side so, uh, yeah, uh, one quick note. You touched on it. I almost forgot to even mention it uh, so far in my notes, but like um, it's that third episode is 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 so just over the top and it's comical at times. And it's like there's Marlon Brando. There's Edward G. Rudd. There's all these gangster characters from the 40s we know, right, or fictional or otherwise. Um, but that is a robust criminal underworld. That mm-hmm. is a powerful entity that is definitely a factor in the state of the galaxy. And it's not just like the Jedi are like, can't do anything about it. They still have that treaty. This episode mm-hmm. reminds us, they still have that treaty that the Clone Wars movie is all about establishing of like, well, in order to fight this war, we need these hyperspace lanes and the huts control them. That's the, you know, we can laugh about Rada, but that's the, the plot. Yep. And to see noble Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, being in there like, yeah, no, we gotta, we gotta keep this, uh, alliance intact is like, uh, it's terrible that the Jedi have to be, going along with the the hut crime family yeah and which is part of the 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 thing i like about quinlan boss kind of being like we're doing what now you know (laughs) maybe i'll come back alone and yeah maybe i'll come back alone you can try to kill me yeah a final thing for me is i there's some episodes that highlight what the bills are but often like the bills and the legislation and what padme and bail are up to is just a throwaway line and just a a reminder of the kind of bills that padme is fighting for in this arc military oversight and opposing privacy invasion. I think Palpatine <laughs> pitched it as the Secure Information Investigation Act. Yep. Yep. I think he, whatever uh, Star Wars version of social media is like, look, you have to enter all your information 
and check the share it with everyone box. That's just you have to for your own security. You have to. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to discuss uh, favorite action moments, comedy moments, all that great stuff in just a minute. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. 
Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138. And we are back to finish our discussion of this fun, weird, deep arc of Cad Bane's quest. We're going to talk action moments across these three episodes. Ken, did you have some favorite action moments? Um, I did. So I asked uh, I asked this uh, to myself as a question, but after listening to you talk, I think I'm going to change this to an exclamation point. My favorite action in the first episode was 3PO party planning. <laughs> because you're right. He's on it. This is something special. You know, we don't see a lot of him in a, in the, in the prequels uh, doing what he's supposed to do. You know, quite frankly, maybe we don't see it at all. Um, 3PO has his moments here and there, but uh, in, in the prequel movies, he does a lot of, if he's not being tossed around uh, in a droid factory, there's a lot of like, oh my's and do you need anything? And let me scroll away here. And I know even Anthony Daniels has said some stuff. I, I think this is, is a big victory and watch him just kind of the dessert does it at this and that. And then he's in the kitchen and uh, uh, you know, he's got the chef Troy, which is a voice. I forget. It's voiced by uh, uh, one of the top chef kind of TV show guys at the time <laughs> who did an episode um, I'll look up his name as we're talking, Danny Goldman or something like that, did an episode of his show on A&E or whatever, preparing for like the Clone Wars 2 rap party. And oh, so, wow. Thanks and whatever. They put him, he's the voice of that, that uh, 2-1-B droid who's like the waiter droid, the cook, the chef droid. Um, but to see 3PO, just he's spinning plates almost literally. And then I love when he says, when they're going to send him out shopping and, and Anakin phrases it as a mission and, and he's so a mission, but man, 3PO, you are already on your mission because this dinner needed to happen for Padme's political uh, goals. Yeah, no, I think that that's great uh, to highlight 3PO. You know, I, it, I, it's weird to say it's a favorite action moment, but you know, uh, seeing poor 3PO uh, stand up to torture. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, a, really fighting the good fight there. Poor 3PO. Um, yeah, I think for me, there wasn't a ton in that that first episode. Uh, yeah, that's real great action moments. Uh, the second one, Hostage Crisis. I love everything about the Anakin sneaking around without the lightsaber. It really drives the ideas home in this emotional way. It's a great example of you don't know when the action is going to strike, so building that tension. I really love the actual moment where it kind of explodes into some action where Anakin. Uh, force pushes the IG droid into the wall and it just is, its yeah. limbs are all helter skelter and then, and then he yeah. beats it with its own blaster. <laughs> yeah, legs and arms akimbo is my uh, way I described it. If Anna can find the IG droid, I, I put that down too. It's really good. Yeah. Um, and then another one for me from that episode is it's kind of an action moment, but it is just so powerful is Padme igniting uh the skywalker family blade that's just cool to see yeah and the episode really does give it a beat in a moment where you know it's set up well where where initially when he's trying to be romantic and give her the lightsaber she's like no a jedi's weapon i can't and then the awkwardness of bail going why do you have that in this moment where like she can truly hold it and use it and feel it and see what it is it really gives it that beat where she wields the weapon for just a moment 
Yeah, I, I I wrote that down too, man. And 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 Cad Bane, he gets the wheel lightsaber too, but it, it's just not as a just cool and weighty. Uh, and it literally, uh, as Padme points out, but emotional. <laughs> as, uh, as Padme getting that blade. You know, you and I are answer used to answering those trivia questions of in uh, what movie, how many people actually used a lightsaber? Uh, and this is uh, this is one for the Clone Wars. It's pretty pretty darn cool. Yeah, pretty damn cool. Uh, anything else for you from that second episode? I, I wanted actually just to highlight the entire landing platform intro in terms of action because mm. I really think it's 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 cool in that uh, pew 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 badass kind of way, which we do celebrate here at, at Force Center. I don't want people to think we don't. We love digging in the themes. We love when a you know a, a Republic guard gets his face blasted. I don't. Okay, <laughs> I don't. Know. Um, no, but it's really good. And 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 Filoni did touch upon it in the feature ad. Those are always informative, or sometimes they're just silly. But this is informative. Of look, this is the first time in the broadcast order that people were seeing this character, and they, it needed to have some weight. You needed to kind of see some death happening, and there's some br- brutal stuff: snapping of necks, or a sing shooting a, a a clone begging or guard uh, begging for his life, and uh, and he just bah, shoots him. Uh, you don't see it, but you just see that shot of her. Like, there's some real dark stuff happening, and um, I think it is kind of uh, coming at the end of season one of Clone Wars, which had some great Star Wars action, but also had the Jar Jar stuff and a lot of things that hey, were you unsure of the prequels and everything? There's a serious side to this. Uh, I don't want to say it's just the dark, gritty stuff, but it, it's it's them saying this character showing up. I've always said I, it's sometimes amazing to me that Cad Bane works with the big floppy cowboy hat and the six shooter and the d- dusty trench coat there and the, the duster the toothpick toothpick like and it, Duros is great. But like, like, should that character have worked? I don't know. It's kind of an out there real world cowboy outlaw design, but it works and it works a little a little bit for me because he is serious, because there is a weight to his action. So therefore, I, I, I do celebrate the, the gruesome uh, opening sequence. Yeah, no, I think you're you're right, and I, I really did like what Filoni was saying in that uh, featurette of saying we if we're going to introduce bounty hunters who look cool and are brutal, they got to be brutal and they got to be an actual threat. And that opening scene is really brutal of just uh, you know assassinating, terminating those guards, not yeah. knocking them over the head and you know taking them out, you know, and hiding them or tying them up, like yeah. cruelly, viciously assassinating them all. Yeah. yeah, so I'm glad you highlighted that one. It's brutal, and it's supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to that third episode, The Hunt for Zero. Uh, what kind of moments jumped out to you for action you enjoyed? Oh, look, is the opening dance scene in action? Because it's 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 action-filled. <laughs> a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, I did put, uh, I could almost put it in the comedy whimsy, but I, I, maybe I will slip it there, but also say it here too. I do love the Gamorians um, just fighting each other because they were asked to. Like first ice noodles in this uh trick she played on them and then there's a great shot um as the uh, as Sai is talking to zero and there's just a grimorian guard just does an old style 1970s pro wrestling headbutt on the other one and they fall it, it's it's comedy whimsy but it's also action it's a it's a fight and then flashing ahead to uh you know mandalorian season two where you know grimorian guards just love getting in a ring and fighting um it kind of worked for me so i'll list that uh before we get i think probably to the big one i'll also say I just got to say Cad Bane's ship just looks like action to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good ship. Um, yeah, I, I really, uh, like I said, I really love uh, Quinlan Voss in general. Uh, great in uh, Dark Disciple. Uh, I really like him in this episode. I like his 
uh, it's very different from Anakin, but it's this we're moving forward now energy. And in particular, I like that moment where he does the kind of X uh, slash on Mom of the Hut's door and then kicks it open. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it's a great, funny buddy comedy contrast where Obi-Wan's going to like knock or whatever. But it also just feels like I've done that move in a video game, right? It just, there's something about it that looks really like a video game of like weaken the door with two slashes that form an X and then hit X to kick it in the middle. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And then I'm over there going, why, why am I not doing it right? A little <laughs> YouTube right. cheat video. God, <laughs> how do I kick the door open? Yeah. And then uh, moving on to what I think is the tour de force of this entire arc is the Obi-Wan and Quinlan Voss just leaping through uh, the, mm. the misty plateaus of Teth to fight Cad Bane. And it, it, uh, um, Filoni, I think, said it earlier about, in an earlier featurette about Cad Bane's brutality, about I wanted him to be the badass that we imagined Boba Fett to be but didn't get to see on screen. And this fight is really that of like, he's got all these, he's not a match for the Jedi, but he's got all these tricks uh up his sleeve he's all about uh distraction and surprise you know oh uh, yeah absolutely no there's some brutal kicks um there's some moments that are just totally uh totally like prequel inspired lightsaber battling that kind of stuff and a lot of flips and flying but there's also just a couple kicks and moves there from cad bane on uh i think specifically Quill quillen Voss. it reminded me a little bit of like the hound and uh uh, you know, uh, 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 Brianna Tarth fighting in season four, yeah, <laughs> just kicks and bites and everything. It, it's so, and it's an extended sequence, and it, it really works. It doesn't die off. The energy doesn't die off, and it was, it was, it's a great, great little fight. Yeah, and I like that it was just so in motion, right? It wasn't just on a platform. It's like going from place to place and in the air. And I love the addition of uh, Cad Bane is kind of a force to be reckoned with, but then he has this annoying little droid, yeah, Toto, <laughs> Toto uh, going around and grabbing things. I love that Toto zips by and steals Quinlan's lightsaber. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then perhaps, Ken, one of my favorite, favorite details of Cad Bane wins he ultimately escapes he puts some pain on these two impressive jedi yeah but when he gets quinlan's lightsaber he thinks he's got obi-wan it's like ha ha and i love just how quickly and easily obi-wan disarms him because he's like because <laughs> obi-wan's like yeah no um when you're shooting fire in my face and darts and whatever else you have up your sleeve yeah it's gonna put me off my game but if you're gonna try to fight me with a lightsaber that's not gonna go well for you cad bane <laughs> <laughs> yeah obi's got skills yeah, and it's just that it's that great classic spin of like, yeah, Cad Bane, you have not studied for decades. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're a badass, but not with a lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, let's move on then to moments. Uh, do you have any other moments you wanted to talk about in action? Uh, no, that was the main event for sure. Okay, well, uh, I got a lot in comedy and whimsy, so maybe <laughs> I'll cut some out. But let's let's dive in because man, this uh, arc is great for comedy, whimsy, and weirdness. Yeah. So uh, please, please start. What are a couple of yours? Yeah, a lot of it. Funny, I, uh, especially in the first episode, it's lines. Um, and by the way, you know, Anthony Daniels doing the voice. They had a, there was some behind the scenes. And he's got to be a trip to work with because there's some great stuff where he's like rewriting the whole script. And <laughs> it's great to have Anthony come in and rewrite our whole, whole script. <laughs> it's great. And then they cut the scene and Anthony is goes, uh, is anyone writing this down properly? Is anyone clearly? Clearly, does anyone write this down? <laughs> but I got to tell you, a lot of lines work, man. And mm -hmm. and um, three PO saying, uh, "This is a social gathering for communal taking of sustenance." Is how I'm going to put every party invite <laughs> going forward. That's going to be on my emails out. Uh, he also says to R two, "You run like a drunken Nuna." 
which is <laughs> underrated as a Star Wars like animal insult that we get. We get a lot of those. Like you're a nerd yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That's why it's really visceral because Nunes already do kind of wobble a little bit. Yeah. So that's visceral. You can picture that. Yeah. So love that. Uh, then final one for, uh, more to come passing off here. Uh, R2. Uh, we love R2 from even last Jedi with Luke going, Hey, it's my sacred Island and back to even new hope. Uh, I love there's the, those YouTube videos that just kind of have uh, R2's lines edited in. <laughs> I, I get a kick out of that stuff. Cause R2, he's a, he's a sassy little bucket of droid. Uh, so I love, there's one of my favorite ones where like they're haggling and R2 beeps. Through people's like, I don't need you to tell me that what galactic robbery is. And it just was a very <laughs> specific. R2's like, that's galactic robbery. <laughs> yeah and it is and r2 is totally right it's fairly brutal uh but yeah that's great uh there's a bunch of stuff that uh that you touched on yeah the drunken nuna great i really like the follow-up to the first line you were sharing where uh 3po says this is a social gathering for the communal taking of sustenance your effort evokes the terror of younglings fleeing a flesh-eating monster and it's that little uh rabbit droid showing an ice sculpture it's just a great way to show like it's not just about food it's about the event of eating and the yeah. presentation is going to make a difference uh so and i love that idea that a rabbit droid would be like uh how's this for an ice sculpture uh and it's terrible and frightening and 3 right <laughs> and the rabbit droid says okay then yeah, yeah. <laughs> i gotta tell you you your love of the rabbit droids has been uh been at front and center for 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 the whole time and i want to give you credit for that because i i used to maybe fight against them years ago like what, what is this but even going back to the the movie with general loathsome and the, the rabbit droid coming up with the info like I, i've started to really love the rabbit droids yeah they are they're a great little weird design and they're in they're clearly multi-use and they're just kind of bouncing around rolling around the galaxy and people only really ever pay attention to them to yell at them yes <laughs> poor things uh last one for me from or two more from this episode mm-hmm. uh i it, i it's a big just straightforward joke but it worked for me i really liked uh, 3po saying to cad bane i can translate and instruct on appropriate etiquette which, which in your case sir if you don't mind me saying is sorely lacking yeah. <laughs> in the middle of being gruesomely tortured that's uh we've talked about a lot the comedy of character in star wars works a, very well with 3po most of the time and uh that's a great line yeah, if you don't mind me saying, yeah. viciously torturing me is quite rude. Yeah. 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 Great. And then the uh, the senator who just really needs the Jogan fruit on top of that cake. Uh, there's a weird little check-in with him where he's very happy after the dinner went well. And he's got a weird voice. And he says, to the signing of the treaty and my favorite dessert, Jogan fruit cake. Yes. <laughs> I wrote, I wrote, I just wrote <laughs> Senator Ang toasting his favorite dessert. This is a senator. I was like, what are you doing here? We just, there's this and Jogan fruit. There's so much I love about this. It emphasizes that, yeah, no, that, that Padme and 3 were right. This yeah. was what was needed to, to make this happen. Uh, the yes is really weird and funny. It, it reminds me of like the kind of uh, commercials that used to be on, particularly like in the early 90s for like a super soaker where a kid would just be oh, like, yes, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then the, the, the thing that really made it funny to me is like, yeah, he is equally excited that he got his favorite dessert and he signed a treaty for military oversight, yeah. which is more important than joking fruitcake. But they're the same to him. Look, I get it. Every time I walk into a yogurt land, I feel the same way. So <laughs> I, I, I'm there. I'm there with you, Senator Ang. You know, fair enough. Fair enough. After I got my first vaccine shot, I went to Target and I was like, yay, a vaccine shot in Captain America action figure. Yes. <laughs> One is more important than the other. 
moving on then, you got some from uh, the next episode from Hostage uh, Crisis. There is, um, what did I, what did I write? Oh, 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 there, you know, not because it's, it's a, it's a pretty brutal episode. Mm-hmm. I, I do like, uh, it, there's some very real world, it's more whimsy than comedy, but just, Pabby holding a lightsaber saying, wow, it's heavier than I thought. And anytime, you know, uh, I, I got to, I think, hold the lightsaber you built at Galaxy's Edge, I remember, or some I, Alex back as I got to hold his too early on. And I, and, and I, I said that exact thing. Wow, it's heavier than I thought. <laughs> it is. They're big chunks of metal. Yeah, yeah. So it's very real world, very funny. And, and that's back in this, what, 2010 they did that. So it's just, it's a thing. And, and it works for me. I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I like the very straightforward joke when uh, I, th- I think it's Bale who comes in. It's like we got we got to meet in the lobby to talk about the privacy invasion bill, and Anna gets hiding under her desk, and Padme says, "Right, privacy invasion bill," yeah. uh, which is you know uh, just a funny joke uh, <laughs> that brings up the tension, but also the, the way they keep just saying privacy invasion bill, and I still am just uh, amused by the ambiguity. Like I don't think. She've just called it that. Maybe this yeah. is their counter bill that they've called yeah. the privacy invasion bill, or maybe this is what they're. Yeah, the, this is the, it. Really has some like yes, like you were saying of like a, a secure society act, and uh, Padme and Bale are that's the way that they're spinning it for the media. Like no, it's an enhanced privacy invasion bill. I, I but I'll, I never got the uh, the uh, you uh, laughing be, uh, because you're right, but also in that moment where Padme's just kind of like yeah, Bale, do you knock? like <laughs> i know we're close dude but come on yeah speaking like, of yeah what are you a jedi in my bedroom yeah come on uh yeah that i loved uh there's a uh, amongst all the action there's uh the character uh robo nino is a little like uh, a fish guy uh he's a fish guy yeah. to quote harrison ube right right um <laughs> i love that he walks out of the little power room he's just uh, hijacked and he sees anakin and just kind of goes like oopsie like, like, <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, he's a good contrast to the uh the absolute brutal villainy of cad bane and or saying um only other thing for from that episode for me is you know there, there's a lot of zero a lot of comedy comes in there at the end yeah but when zero says oh it's so bright out here when uh when he's leaving and there's that clone next to him he just goes oh my god <laughs> It's often, often the reactions that are that are funnier than the joke. And also, as we've pointed out, as we've gone through the Clone Wars, there's a lot of times where people just say, dear Lord, or oh, my God. Like, yeah, yeah. Clearly a thing that is said in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. So there you go, you holdo hot takers. <laughs> uh, Godspeed Rebels is right up there with this clone who says, oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the comedy, the wacky, the weird of oh, that super wacky, weird uh, episode in this arc, Hunt for Zero. What do you got there? What what hit? What landed uh, and actually you enjoyed? Yeah, I'll remix the Grimorian headbutt in the background was great. Yeah. Uh, a lot of quotes and beats. Um, I, uh, I look, I, I, I advocate for, you know, be careful when you toss the word crazy around people, you know, mental health is important to me. Now, I just don't like calling people crazy anymore. I, you know, everyone's well. Fine, but I just love—I do love that Kenobi's like that might be over, be overstating it, Cody. Let's just say he's crazy. <laughs> I, I, coming from Kenobi, the straight laced dude, I get it. And in the buddy cop, the uh, the odd couple pairing, it's great. It works. So I, I really enjoyed it in that moment. And then the, the the there's a lot about Quinlan Voss, but just the the choice to have Quinlan Quinlan Voss say, "Hey, Kenobi," but he says it far away. <laughs> <laughs> up and they they the, the sound matches and it's just kind of like he's up there like hey Kenobi and Kenobi's down there like he's crazy great intro to their relationship 
Yeah, it is great to have Obi-Wan just be that blunt, right? Mm-hmm. There's just there's no two ways about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh I really like the next exchange uh where uh, Obi-Wan says, "Yes, well, if you could tell time half as well as you could stick a landing, we wouldn't be behind schedule now, would we?" After Quinlan does that big <laughs> entrance. And then it normally doesn't work for me when Star Wars just takes a very famous line from another piece of pop culture. Right. But for some reason this one works when Quinlan Voss just quotes Big Lebowski and says, well, that's your opinion, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you too. Uh, you know, the squeeze me of it all, but um, no, it works. It just, it just, it's a fun tip of the cap, but it, it just sets the tone so well. Yeah. It isn't even like, I'm not even disagreeing. I'm not even fighting back like Anakin. I'm just like, like cool. Don't care. Yeah. What else you got? <laughs> yeah. Um, I really like the uh, full uh, Vegas or Chicago style. Definitely uh, entertaining gangsters. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan, as I've mentioned in the past, of uh, of the Rat Pack, uh, and been been listening to some of their stuff and and watching some documentaries about uh, that era. You know, Statra, uh, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., um, a lot of other performers in those uh, arenas and eras. Ella Fitzgerald is a big favorite of mine. And there's just it's just kind of fun for me to hear that music that is very much late 50s, early 60s. Right. We are putting on a show. We are indulging in drink and entertainment. And the fact that it is this mix of like, yeah, it's Twi'leks that mm. are well established in, in ways you've been discussing is yeah. this is a this is a job field for Twi'leks to be dancers, particularly in the criminal underworld. But then the absolute weirdness of the over the top, like mm. we can't just have showgirls. We got to have uh, something weird. So they have to be wearing hut, <laughs> hut hats yeah. and even seeing the tech guy at a light and soundboard like it's I don't know. It's it's really great. Uh, yes. Well, that that is uh, that is uh, Rang Thang. The DJ. <laughs> well, now I don't like it anymore. <laughs> Toss it up. Um, yeah. No, I no. It, it is, and again, the, the we mentioned the club Obi Wan uh, Willie Scott intro and in Temple of Doom is a is a direct uh, reference there, and, and it it does work. It, it, it again sets a great tone. The the confidence of the huts to just this is what they do. While what everything's going on, they're so secure in their own underworldness. They get this time. I, 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 you know, I like it. Yeah, I think the one of the reasons it hits for me of like one of the recent uh, Rat Pack albums, uh, which I, I always want to caveat. You know, there's a lot about uh, that time and in mm-hmm. those figures that that can be controversial, and and I I always uh, keep that in mind as I as I listen. Uh, mm-hmm. the fandom with an asterisk. Uh, but I was the most recent album of theirs that I was listening to or listening to most recently because none of their albums are recent. Uh, there, there's this whole thing where uh, Sinatra owed the actual mafia for helping get Kennedy elected. Mm-hmm. Not a conspiracy theory. It's documented. Mm-hmm. And they have to go and do a show at a not n- super important at that time club in Chicago for the, is payback for the mafia. And like they just acknowledge it. Like at one point, somebody makes a loud noise, and Dean Martin's like, "Quiet! There is a gangster sleeping upstairs." <laughs> and in his opening song, he changes the lyrics to a, a popular song at the time of like, uh, yeah, "I'd work here without any pay." Wink, nod, and the whole audience laughs because they know yeah. that they're performing yeah. uh, as a favor without pay. So I think for me, having just you know thought about that again, about the absolute truth that that kind of entertainment was tied to the mafia in that era of history to kind of see that exact style of music and have the huts be mm-hmm. gangster capital G gangsters mm-hmm. <laughs> and have that kind of music was just 
a fun intersection of interests for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, and again, this episode is a big, uh, you know, dump the bag of references and influences down on, <laughs> on the table. Let's put it together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else for you that uh, in this episode? I that wrote, you, uh, yeah, I wrote down two two more quotes. One, I didn't I forgot to attribute to someone. I got to assume it's Cy Snoodles, but I just wrote down the line. I got trouble for you, Mr. Fancy Pants. <laughs> And now I'm just, I don't I don't even care who said it. Now I'm just like that's a great Star Wars line. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of fancy pants in Star Wars. Uh, there are. But uh, this one from Gardula the Hut. It's uh, just a fun line, but it also it's uh, we're, it's it's got some meaning. It's got it's heavy. Just how goes the war, gentlemen? She says to Kenobi and Voss, and what that implies to these Jedi and the war they're fighting. What it also means about the Huts not giving a damn about the war because they know they're also it's helping them. They're growing in power, not being challenged. I thought there was a, a, a lot of meaning to that one line. That's also kind of funny. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I, I love that. Um, the size noodles line from the bottom of my fluid sack. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, that, that, yeah. I got the hot spits, but also loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just weird enough, just gross enough to yeah. be like, okay, all right, this is what we're doing here. It's like almost being honest about like, yeah, we know this is weird. Yeah. yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, and then after, toward the end of this weird, twisty, bonkers episode, this just sad, brutal line from Zero about his mama. Where he's talking about how uh, Mama doesn't know what happened uh, to her to her partner, mm. and Zero says some people are just happier when they're miserable. <laughs> yes, it's so yeah. dark. Yes, that it made me laugh. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on then to uh, connection to other canon lore. There's a lot going on here. We're doing a kind of a longer episode, so we'll try to keep it uh, keep it a little bit shorter. But you know, another remarkable thing about this is it's got so many different characters in these three episodes that that connect to bigger ideas. So I want to talk about Quinlan Voss, um, just him being there. We get to see his uh, his uh, psychometry or retrocognition, his ability to uh, sense uh, people or things or events that are connected to physical objects. That's such a great uh, specific force power. It's one that becomes very important in uh, video games. <laughs> right, right. For Jedi telling story, Cal Kestis uh, has that ability. I think it's the... A fun debate to have of uh, does Ray have that ability? Is that what's going on a little bit with uh, the Skywalker blade in Force Awakens? Uh, you know, does that relate to her the dyad connection between her and Kylo Ren? All that. What What are your thoughts on Quinlan Voss? Are you a fan? I, I am. I definitely a fan of the story, and I know he. You know, at this point, he um, he's this Legends character. Obviously, the, the 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 kind of background beginning in Episode One, we know, but and, and George kind of liking what happened with that character in legends and throws in the reference in revenge of the Sith. So I, I like that starting point. And I think I do like this execution. I, I when I was reading a little bit about it in preparation for this episode, where even um, the, the primary author of a lot of those comics from the dark horse stuff was like, yeah, it's a different character, but I'm just happy to have it in. Um, similar to, I was thinking of Chuck Wendig and, and uh, you know, him uh, and, and Cobb Vanth of, Hey, I totally get it. It's not going to be exactly what I wrote. I, it's rare that this happens. I'm celebrating it. So I like all that. I just like this version. I'm not super familiar with the Legends version of Quinlan Voss. So um, maybe I don't have a skin in this game, but I, 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 I do like Quinlan Voss. And uh, I, I like, uh, uh, I, I wish there was more of him. And, and, and you know, look, there's an there's a ellipses on his uh, his end, right? So we couldn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I just, I really like this him in this episode, and I always remember him, and then and him having this great buddy comedy with Obi Wan, and I think, uh, like I said before, I really like it when the Jedi are differentiated. You know, it can sometimes be a criticism that they can get into lockstep, um, but I like this idea of like if you are of the light side and you are wanting to celebrate the diversity and majesty of everything that's connected to the force, you're going to have some different ways of approaching that and celebrating that. And I love that Quinlan's like, Hey, look, I, I do my job. I do it well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I get mad sometimes, but I want to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> There's no reason this has to be a somber drag, man. Uh, I really like that perspective. It's fun in this episode. And then, you know, the Dark Disciple novel, I really, really like. Uh, the novel's amazing. There's a part of me that really wishes we did get those Clone Wars episodes that it's uh, yeah. based on. Yeah. But just getting to, he goes through absolute torture. And I, I just I love this character who can be, hey, it's partially who I am. It's partially a tactic to, you know, keep people a little off their game. But look, why not try to love life? Yeah. A story about, I won't go into spoilers, but Jedi falling into love and and mm. and going through a lot is just made me really really attached mm. to the character also not super familiar with him in in legends but just what a great weird story that you know he is in the background in mos espa and like yeah <laughs> you, know, you think of that line in in phantom menace where like is there anyone here friendly to the republic and you know, me and anakin are like no, no. well quinlan voss <laughs> <laughs> i just don't know yeah. uh it's great star wars weirdness and yeah if, if anybody isn't super up on all the modern can been seated a couple different places in Star Wars comics that uh, Quinlan is on the list of people suspected to have survived Order 66. And uh, I'll, I'll just say it loud and proud, Ken, I would love to mm -hmm. see a story of Quinlan Voss yeah. uh, surviving and, and what does that look like for him? Same. I can't wait till he shows up in Mando season three. <laughs> yeah the, i hope i hope the beginning of mando season three is quinlan uh arriving to answer grogu's call five minutes too late <laughs> oh man i was late man obi-wan was right about me not keeping up with time <laughs> should have listened his opinion was right <laughs> uh move on to Sai snoodles Sai snoodles uh Palowick, uh singer dancer femme fatale bounty hunter uh what are how do you feel about this because this is uh, especially for people our general age who grew up with the original trilogy, this can be one of the gripes of does every background character from the original trilogy need to be fleshed out, given a weird voice. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel? Are you happy to see Sice Noodles and to see this character having kind of a weird role? Yeah, I, I am. I think this is uh, this reminds me of the Jedi Rocks version of Sai, more <laughs> the, the, the kind of dancing puppet I grew up with. Um, but I, th th it was at the point... Um, you know, you know what it was? There was this real tiny moment that makes me really like Psy in, in, in this episode and, and be on board for just the wild bonkers stuff they were doing. Uh, and it's after the dance routine, two of the Twilight dancers are walking uh, into the foreground and, and Psy is walking towards the mirror where she'll have the conversation with the other uh, Twilight dancer. And she kind of waves at the girls like, hi, good night, good night, thanks for your help. And there were some so real world and there's a human about it. It just made me realize that Psy isn't just this puppet I grew up singing along to. By the way, I love Lapty Neck. It's one of my favorite songs. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to have it on mixtapes and bump it real loud in college, which is why I didn't have <laughs> many friends. Um, but you know what I mean? Like it's just a sm si small Psy moment. 
that just uh, I, it pulled me into the character, into this wild, crazy adventure. Is all the guns and all the baby, baby, and all that stuff. I just went to that moment. I was like, yeah, you know what? She's a hardworking uh, girl with her hopes and dreams, and her heart was broken. Her fluid sack was broken, and I'm there. <laughs> I'm there for her adventure. Yeah, I think I feel the same way. Of every once in a while, there's like, yeah, I'll let a background character be a background character. Yeah. But you know, I bang on about that phrase of tip of the iceberg storytelling. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when you break it down, this is you've seen more of the iceberg of sliced noodles. If you ask, like, well, who would be like the marquee uh, singer? at a gangster hideout, what's the rest of their life like? Like, well, probably a hard knock, finding a way to, you know, be respected in that world. It's this weird combination of you have all this status, you are the star in in gangster circles, mm-hmm. uh, but you're also then surrounded by dangerous people and you got to watch out for yourself and for the people you perform with and that weird contrast between being, hey, I'm putting on a show versus everyone here is a killer. <laughs> yeah. 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 And this is an episode that really, really investigates that. Um, yeah. I wrote down the uh, the Hut families. Which one's which? Because it, it could be hard to, oh, to keep track. It was, so we yeah, got, no. Uh, I, go for it. Go for it. Go ahead, please. No, I was just saying, yeah, it was because it was fun. You know, uh, you know, we got the Marlon Brando, the Edward G. Robinson, like I mentioned before. But it just, it, it you know, because you never get a full, clear picture, I thought. So I didn't look it up. So I'm glad you did. Yeah, yeah, because I because I like them, and then sometimes I'm like, which one is that? Do I confuse them? Uh, so we got Gardula, uh, nothing on her head. <laughs> That's how we know it's her. <laughs> yeah, leader of the council, and also you know, kind of important is the person who owns Shmi and Anakin. Uh, then we have Arok. Arok is the one who is based on Edward G. Robinson uh, and is smoking uh, what I would now call a vape pen, a space vape pen. Uh, then we have Marlo, who has uh, <laughs> hair or a toupee in the thin mustache and is just blatantly uh, Vito Corleone. Uh, then Gorga has the monocle in the headset. Gorga's the one that looks like uh, they're just uh, killing teens in Fortnite, I think. That, that headset looks like they're playing video games all the time. And then finally, uh, Aruba, who has the, the little hat and shawl. And th- this is not defined anywhere that I could find, but to me it has a little bit of a Sydney Green Street vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what what are your thoughts on just seeing the hut council? We talked a little bit about it, but any thoughts on these these huts? I I think the the depictions are wonderfully over the top. Um, and it, you're right, it, it, Gardula being there and, and and it's no small feat, right? That's a, that's an important character to the grand scheme of the Skywalker story. We should say. Mm-hmm. So it's over the top, right? But it serves a, a great purpose. A lot of stuff what you you and I have been talking about of like, don't forget these huts are this criminal empire, and we're going to draw upon the famous pop culture versions of these often real life characters or or close to real life characters. Um, so there's some weight to it there. And I also was just fascinated in rewatching um, uh, the moment where Cad Bane is there. Um, uh, uh, witnessing the the little hut mini council, right? Uh, that that's mm-hmm. that worked for me in terms of just uh, uh, you know how they even though you know I got space hut Marlon Brando on my screen, it doesn't matter. It's it's powerful uh, criminal mobsters in Star Wars having this meeting to determine important things about their fate and what if, which does affect the galaxy. And uh, I actually did like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I like that they were this real seat of power and there's something about Cad Bane kind of hanging around either because he's wondering if there's going to be another job or them wanting him to stick around, which is sort of implied when he has that great line of like, I'd kind of like to be done with 
this business. But if there's money, I'll do it. But it also kind of attaches to a question that sometimes comes up with Return of the Jedi. Of like, why is Boba Fett still just hanging out there? And like, well, mm. this is this is how how bounty hunters do it sometimes. Of you know, after they finish a big yeah. job, they sit around and spend some money and uh, collect the accolades. Yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, I love I love that the that they the huts just aesthetically range from kind of a Star Wars design, really, with like Gorga with the monocle and headset uh, mm-hmm. to the like super absurd, uh, you know, Vito Corleone, Corleone, you know, <laughs> uh, Java. I was like, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <Don't> it. <laughs> it is not subtle. And then, of course, with them, you know, we get to see Nel Hutta. We get to see G- the Good Morning Guards. There's so much there. Uh, I got a couple other canon stuff, but anything else that you wanted to throw out there that you think is important? Um, I, well, okay, you might, I'm sure you're gonna mention it. There's a lot of cool little things to mention here, but uh, in the in the first episode of just like playing around with how much of R2's memory was wiped, <laughs> was it just the last hour? Uh, because you know, we're supposed to, he's supposed to, you know, I know we can gather a lot of knowledge from here to the end of Revenge of the Sith and going forward, but I, I've, I've just, I like the idea of R2 having every bit of his uh, his memory going back to when we first meet him and, and beyond, obviously. But uh, anyways, uh, not something that holds me up. I, I just kind of think it's uh, the last, uh, you know, little slight memory or erase. Yeah, and it makes me wonder if he does have a couple other, like, well, I remember it all except for this afternoon yeah. and that afternoon. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> I've been through some stuff. Yeah. Um, anything else? Uh, no, that's kind of the big pictures of there's just, uh, yeah, list, listy things, but go for it. I'm sure we have yeah, I got a few things. Yeah, yeah, a couple of listy things. It's uh, fascinating to see that Mon Mothma continues to be in the background but not speaking. <laughs> so hold on, I literally wrote this line. I want to make a list of Mon Mothma walks in the background moments. <laughs> there are a lot. We've we've noted this many times because I I I keep wondering like, no, does she speak? And like, nope, she's just there in the background yeah. always. Uh, the the 8D uh, torture droids uh, being consistently torture droids. That's yeah. that's really fun. Um, the uh, I, I really like the bail. Why do you have a Jedi's lightsaber? You were talking earlier about smash cuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like what moment where he's like, oh, 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 I know the answer to this question. <laughs> it was right in front of me many, many times. Uh, so that one uh, will be deactivated for sure. It's a great three PO line to hear. Uh, one three PO thing that in, it that was interesting is uh, when he said, might I remind you, sir, I was once protocol droid to the chief negotiator of the Manacron system, which really does suggest that he does that, you know, back in the day, we all interpreted as C-3PO never existed before Phantom Menace when Anakin put him together. And then it's been the more recent of like, nah, he was bits and pieces, but he already kind of existed and Anakin rebuilt him. And this is one of those lines that kind of supports that in canon. Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know what? I forgot that is that is big too. Uh, and then he fought the great line of "You're not Master Annie." Um, I'm glad because uh, even in Kristen Baver's pieces, she touches touches upon it there on StarWars.com. Yeah, no, this is this is that this is that answer, and this is that um actually moment. And I, I, look, I get it. You know, Anakin created. You know, I'm not going to go out there online and fight that. But I, there's been a lot of people, friends of ours, even online. I'll see be like, oh, and then they had that stupid thing about Anakin building them from scratch, and it's all I can do to not tweet back. Well, actually, <laughs> technically, he rebuilt him. <laughs> rebuilt him, and he is over a hundred years old. And, uh, yeah. Um, so, anyways, that actually is a big canon moment. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really fun, really good to see. Um, just a, a couple other ones that I wanted to, to touch on real quick. Uh, this is a an emotional one. Uh, this was emotional canon, as you sometimes say, Ken. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of Evil Plans, when Anakin is is kind of riding 3PO and R2, and Padme says in a really gentle way to Anakin, you should really lighten up on these two. It, mm-hmm. it just made me sad because it was this moment of like, that would have been their actual family life with Luke and Leia. Yeah. <laughs> with Anakin being a little like, come on, guys, you got to really got to learn this. And Padme coming like, yeah. Anakin, give them their kids, give them a little space. Give them space. Uh, so not not a real canon connection but an emotional canon one for me Mm -hmm. uh the order of these episodes now that we're watching in chronological order means ahsoka went through all of that effort to get past her fear uh and handle her visions well team up with padme to capture aura singh who had been working with zero the four zero the hut to assassinate padme arrests aura singh and then she escapes very very quickly yes and I looked up her Wikipedia. It's like, is there anything that's, uh, or Wikipedia, anything that's filled that in? It's like, nope. Nope. They, uh, uh, Ahsoka and Padme uh, successfully catch Aura Singh in the episode Assassin. And then a few episodes later, uh, she is free <laughs> to attack again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. There you go. Because on paper, what a cool, yeah, let's bring Aura Singh in. It's the first time you see Cat Bane and then and, and all this other stuff happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then this is the big one that I wanted to talk about, Ken, because I've been waiting to get to this. Mm. I believe it is after the end credits of Evil Plan, the first episode in this arc, where we are seeing uh, that sled uh, with a zero on it being pulled away. I believe right there is where the Jedi give chase and the Martez sisters' parents die. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So... I remember the first time watching those episodes in in season seven of Clone Wars when uh, the Martez sisters are are telling Ahsoka how the Jedi were in pursuit of Zero the Hutt escaping prison and Zero the Hutt, you know, threw some, or maybe it was Cad Bane, threw something in their way and it it had to land somewhere and it was going to land on a bunch of people and they diverted it and they saved most people, but it killed my parents. And that's it. uh, in, In that great discussion of Luminera on Dooley not being there truly deeply. Yeah, for the Martez sisters, but just saying that the, this is the will of the force, and you know things that are not helpful for for kids to hear, and all that happens right after this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right, and we don't. Yeah, we don't ever ever see it, huh? Yeah, and it's it's just fun to think about yeah. Filoni going through Filoni if Filoni comes up with this story of like, oh, I want there to be a moment where the Jedi were trying to do the right thing, save the most people, but somebody else, you know, got hurt in it, and and. That's why some people are, are have some sore feelings about the Jedi. Where could I put that in the whole history of uh, of yeah. the Clone Wars? You know, yeah, no, great pull, great pull, big it moment ends up there. All right, uh, I think that's it for me for for canon. Uh, you want to move on to anything that we disliked or questioned? Uh, we can't. Yeah, a couple, one other thing. I, I love the uh, R two uh, using his uh, little perceptor underwater. It's the, the whole Empire Dagobah kind of connection I, I just kind of like oh and then uh the clones bust out palpatine's window and i'm like well just keep it open because you're gonna need to fix that <laughs> that is a very very good one and i, lo- I love what an over-the-top entrance that is yeah yeah it's great like everything's secure except for the glass we just shattered all around you yeah 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 uh uh and yes definitely definitely uh shades of dagobah with r2 in the droid spa mm-hmm. bath anything that you disliked or questioned that I mean, yeah, no, perfect. Just everything's great. Um, move along. No, no, yeah, no. We, we could get into. Uh, let's get into the mama of the hut of it all. Yeah, I'm. I'm just gonna be honest. I I feel like it's hard for me to talk about. It's hard yeah. for me to 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 find exactly what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I guess the big thing for me is it feels like in general, Mom of the Hut is presented as a piece of comedy in this episode mm. that has lots of really wild comedy. Yeah. But I feel like it's just kind of tonally all over the map. Yeah. Um, you know, I always feel like I want to be real responsible with it when it is a, a voice that has a clear connection to something from real world Earth. Mm. Yeah, and that happens in Clone Wars all the time, right? The the yeah. uh, ep, ep, the arc where um, Boba Fett is trying to kill Mace. That uh, that Republic uh, captain, commander of the ship, is just straight up Scottish, right? Yeah. Uh, it happens a lot in the Clone Wars. In this one's just I don't know what the point of it is, so it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't personally understand. Am I supposed to laugh at it? Um, and if so from what perspective and why yeah. so it just the the voice choice i just don't know what to make of and it makes me uncomfortable yeah no and look and let's not you know star wars during this era going back to 99 um um specifically you know has some has some decisions made that that uh you look back now or maybe even looked at then and went ooh. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so there's some of that there too. Um, I, I get the, I get the inspiration. I get what it's supposed to represent. It's just maybe like you said, it's just the, the why of it and the how, uh, I don't know if this character exists like this or this specifically now, maybe they, they, they would redo it or approach it in a different direction, but also what you're saying too, just because it is, I don't know what we're laughing at in those moments. And, and you and I are, are, are comedy folks. And, and, uh, you know, I know you, you, you very much love studying the, the, the hows and whys of comedy. I, I do as well. I view comedy is my way of communicating with the world. Um, uh, cause I failed to do it another way. <laughs> uh, quiet shy kid in the back. Um, so yeah, there's uh, what's the joke here is sometimes is, uh, it comes up. It, it, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, uh, in a lot of different ways, it, it doesn't work in some ways. It's like, it's, 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 it's better or worse part, part of the course sometimes the Star Wars at this era. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's, that's the thing for me is if, if mama, you know, spoke in Hatice and just had a voice kind of like Jabba, then I would feel like, okay, well, this is kind of a, a, a joke about an older elder, shut-in hut who kind of doesn't care who comes into their home just give them information and it's just kind of a really direct you know the lines i wrote down you're gonna sit in your stink are you gonna pass the slime pods like i'd feel like okay this is i get what this character is combining it with that voice i don't know what the intent is of that and uh and that's that's where it kind of becomes difficult for me and and i'll also just say like you know if uh other people have uh, strong opinions or insights, uh, I'd fully admit this is one that I don't have the total vocabulary or perspective mm-hmm. to pick apart. And I, I am all ears to understand what, what, yep. what it means to other people. Yep. Total, total, uh, absolutely. I, I, I think, um, inspirations or influences is one thing, uh, when you dump it all into a package that sometimes makes you feel slightly uncomfortable, that's, uh, that says a lot. And I, I echo what Joseph says on, on not having, all the right words or thoughts in this one. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but still some, some, uh, uh f- funny lines. You sit in your stink or you can pass the slime pods. I'll yeah. admit. Yeah. Funny line. I uh, no, I'm there. No, you get it. It's, it's not, it's not just, it's, yeah, it's, it, there's, there's in the design of the, the, the creatures, uh, slugging around her and then she throws one at the Jedi. There's a lot. Yeah. And they're, they're, I think she eats them, but they're also sitting on top of her head. Yeah. They're also, yeah. Yeah, I'm calling Cad Bade and Chad something. Yeah, 
yeah. Yeah. All right. Is there anything then that we have not talked about that you wanted to touch on? Uh, we did talk, you talked about uh, Padme using lightsaber. I want to make sure we talked about that. Uh, I, there's some thoughts I have on Bane and Palpatine. Well, basically Bane and Sidious's relationship and how much is Palpatine in this moment having clearly to pretend he's not Sidious with Cad Bane, but also how much of Palpatine is going, wait, what? What's Cad Bane? And he knows how dangerous Cad Bane is and how much is that wonderful Palpatine thing of, of he calls an audible or an audible gets called for him and he has to adjust. <laughs> and, I, and there was a moment where I just like, I was like, Palpatine might actually be a little worried that he's locked in his office, not because he's going to get in trouble, but like, does he have to take out his red saber to get out of there and blow his cover at all? Like, I, I just had that kind of thought watching it. Like, you know, just fun for me to think about Palpatine in that moment. Yeah, I, maybe there's some way to interpret it where this is a scheme that Sidious is behind, but right. I felt like this was like, oh, this is one of those few times where like he is wearing the face of Sheev Palpatine and dealing with a Sheev Palpatine problem, not a Darth Sidious problem. Yep. And just like he wore the cloak and Cad Bane knows about the Sith and he hired Cad Bane relatively recently yeah, yeah. Uh, to steal uh, the holocrons. Yeah. So like, yeah, Cad Bane's not a guy he's useful. I go to him and then he's like, well, I'm just going about my day doing my Sheev Palpatine stuff, not my Darth Sidious stuff. And like, holy crap, yeah. <laughs> this very skilled bounty hunter is causing an actual problem for me. Yeah, yeah. That I did not set up. So yeah, I, I had that wonder. And then the other thing I wrote down the note of uh, these episodes are a collection of characters that Bobby Moynihan would voice if they were made now. <laughs> Uh, that might be the most accurate thing you've you've ever said in years of podcasting. That's absolutely true. I'd I'd pay to hear uh, Bobby Moynihan just perform all three of these episodes, doing all the voices himself. I, he, he, yeah, he would. He, he would love. He would love to. Right. Yeah. Um, he's a yeah. great Star Wars fan. So yeah, I love it. Yeah. Just uh, right, right from the opening. The opening one. I was like, ah, is that Bob? Oh wait, that wouldn't be him. He he is not Bobby Moynihan to us yet. At this point, he's just a yeah. watching at home or in his college dorm or something. So yeah. Super funny on the uh, the Ted Danson uh, comedy, Mr. Mayor, as oh, well. Great. If yeah. anybody hasn't checked it out, yeah. Bobby Moynihan's great on that. Uh, only other thing that I wanted to touch on is just some design stuff. A lot of this was stuff that, that we've seen before. But, man, now Hutta is beautiful. These weird green swamps and the, the Hut Council being in this thing that kind of looks like a tree orb yeah. thing. Really beautiful. And then going to, to Teth, which we've been through been to before um in the in the first film but just that they're really emphasizing the purple of it and being in these misty spires and the weird tomb we joked about the mummified but i just yeah. i love the mummified hut but i just i love the um the aesthetic and the vibe just some great design in hunt for zero as well i agree with that all right if we could have an action figure or any other kind of toy from this arc uh, who or what do you want ken we're all we're, we got action figures here i do want the the what i'm calling the 21b baking droid <laughs> i do want a rang thang dj uh playset <laughs> and we do need which includes uh, record scratching uh action uh and then we need we do need the hut crime lord meeting playset Oh, yeah, absolutely. We need the entire playset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I would take a um, a uh, mummified hut playset. Totally. <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, this exists, and I just need to save my allowance. I do want the Quinlan Voss action figure. That's true. Uh, I looked at it at Star Wars Celebration uh, yeah. back in 2019. The action figure that does not exist that I would like, which is my main answer, is I want uh, Padme Amidala that comes with uh, the Skywalker blade 
and uh, the Jogan fruit cake. Yes. She's got to have both those accessories yeah. to honor this weird arc. And I'm, I'm tagging one here. Um, you know, it'd be great because I used to collect uh, Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars as a kid. And they used to have like the car wash sets where you just put the car through and you maybe you pump a lever and the car goes through with the, <laughs> you could do the droid cleaning playset. Oh, yeah. The droid spa. Yeah. yeah. And it could come with all sorts of different. Oh, man. They had the droid torture chamber back in the day. This yeah. could be the, the droid spa. You just put your little R2 three and three quarter scale and you just slide them through and just and, and like brushes and you fill up your water not included. And you just, yeah. <laughs> water not included. <laughs> yeah. That is great. Uh, well, this is normally where we talk about what's next. Uh, the next arc in the Clone Wars is another arc much like this that uh, makes way more sense in chronological order than broadcast order. Uh, and it's a very, very political set of episodes. Uh, season 3, Episode 10, Heroes on Both Sides. Season 3, Episode 11, Pursuit of Peace. Season 2, Episode 15, Senate Murders. However, mm-hmm. we are going to take a break for Bad Batch, right, Ken? We are. We've been talking about it off air, trying to figure out the best way. And we wish we could have been at a kind of a clean break at end of season three. But this is kind of a, a clean break in its own way. We're going to leave zero behind and get to the uh, some of my favorite stuff with Mina Monteri. And, and I think that's a good spot. But Bad Batch deserves our attention, Joseph. Yeah, so we're going to be, just like with the Clone Wars report or the Mandalorian report, we'll be doing a a Bad Batch report, which are their uh, own individual episodes. And it's just, uh, boy, boy, do we love doing Force Center. And boy, I know for myself, Ken, if it could be the only thing I did, that would kind of be okay. But it is, uh, we do put real time into into watching the episodes, uh, sometimes multiple times. I know you watch them multiple times, but, you know, uh, really digging into the notes, trying our best to to research. you know all of the various characters and ideas that pop up and it's a lot to do with uh with doing both bad batch mm. and then multiple episodes of clone wars every week so uh, we're going to take that break for bad batch and are eager to get back to clone wars yeah absolutely we know we know we got the big special uh, edition coming out on uh, may 4th and then the episode on may 7th and then we'll be kind of in the run i don't we still don't quite know how many episodes we'll be covering but we're going to be diving in yeah, and we'll see. Like, if if they announce, like, yeah, Bad Batch is 48 episodes, maybe we'll see if we can find a balance. But uh, assume Bad Batch is going to be in that 13-ish episodes that, that has been rumored. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So, Ken, what should the moral of this episode of the Clone Wars Report be? When you're out there podcasting, uh, pay attention to everyone around you. You never know when they got a blaster in their hand. <laughs> that is right. Do you want to let people know where they can find us? I would love to. We can be found on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. You can like our Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. Uh, you can uh, go ahead and get some merch if you'd like to at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Uh, you can also uh, get an audio book on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center uh, and uh, get an audio book out uh, from us and, and help the show in the process. We're available in a lot of different spots, including Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts and Amazon Music and Spotify and stand by to stand by. The great podcast wars, I keep saying, are, are coming. You got all these new features and all these new podcast spots. Uh, we don't know where Force, Force Center is going to land. We're just going to keep doing what we do and releasing episodes for you all. You'll know where uh, if anything changes. But uh, as always, every day, every week, four episodes when we can of just uh, Star Wars insight and themes and fun. Uh, so look for all that. And then uh, finally, if you want to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash force center uh, uh and support us over there and help us do cool things like a great theme music for, by the wonderful tony thaxton uh, and also uh, you can follow me at ken knapsack or go to my website ken joseph 
Excellent. You can follow me Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all of my other comedy adventures. Uh, but for now, for myself, for Ken, for Quinlan Voss, and Rang Thang, this has been The Clone Wars Report. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.